Welcome to the Shield Your Business from Chaos podcast, where there's no building, no people, no third-party suppliers, and no systems all combined to create Chaos the Dragon, which is battled by King Phoenix and his shield. Hi, welcome to the Kingsbridge BCP podcast. I'm Roswita Firth, and here with me today is Eric Thedeker. Am I saying your last name right? I hope. You got it. Good. So Kingsbridge BCP provides business continuity software as a service and consulting services to a wide variety of, of industries, and they've been in business since 1983 and have provided business continuity planning for hundreds, if not thousands, of clients. Eric and I haven't quite been doing it that long. Uh, I, I've been in the business continuity industry for about 23 years. Um, Eric, I think you said it's been about 20 years, over 20 years for you. Right, right. So tell me a little bit um, about the various uh, industries or sectors that you've worked in in the business continuity DR space. Um, I started up very technical, so uh, I worked my way up from like system engineering and whatnot in healthcare, and um, that's when it started where we needed more resilient systems and whatnot. Um, so I spent quite a few years in healthcare, moved on to the mortgage industry, spent some time there into the entertainment industry and into tele telecommunications. Um, mm -hmm. So quite different industries, and uh, it's very. <laughs> Very unique to see how they all uh, handle BCDR crisis management. Uh, I yes, and and I actually I think you're the first person I've talked to that's actually worked in the entertainment industry. So that is a new one for me. My background is uh, primarily energy in the financial sectors. Cool. Um, and I I came from the technical side as well. I came from data security and then moved into business continuity. But like. Many people in our profession, we tend to wear different hats. So as a business continuity person, I've also done crisis management. And I know that you've also stepped in to do some crisis management and uh, disaster recovery and business continuity. Absolutely. And it usually comes from some compliance or customer request to say, hey, where's the BC plan? And I'm the only one working on the topic as a disaster recovery <laughs> focus. And I'm like, oh, I can help you with that. You know, so you, you get dragged into those, but it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's just, uh, it's good to know them all. I just, I think we all wish we had more resources, uh, you know, to work with. Yes, absolutely. That is true. So today we're going to talk about assumptions. Um, in our conversation leading up to this, one of the things that came up was, I think you had said, well, so people are, what exactly is a disaster? So let's start off with that as kind of a starting point to talk about assumptions. Sure. Uh, and because of the different industries, um, there's a lot, right? <laughs> there's lots to unpack there. But um, kind of a recurring thing I've seen across industries is, you know, what's a disaster? What is it? And some people think, oh, that's an earthquake or a flood or something major, right? But... You know, if I'm using a SaaS provider like Google for Gmail and it's not accessible for me or my business for four hours, that's a disaster to my business, right? Um, so then they go, well, what's your disaster recovery plan? And it's like, well, once again, are you talking about an earthquake? Or are you talking about 
an outage to a service, right? Um, I think that's where there's a lot of confusion internal with companies and also external for customers that, you know, they might want to use your product or your service and they're going to say, hey, what's your disaster recovery plan? And you're like, well, what, what really do you want to know, <laughs> right? You know, do you want to know if the service is going to, if it has an impact that and down, it's going to be back up with the next amount of time? What, what exactly do you want to know? So I think there's just so much assumptions. And I know you've talked about this in previous podcasts, right? Um, we change the terminology of things over time too, you know, business continuity or resiliency or operational resiliency, you know, and everyone has a little different um, education and, and uh, experience with those terms, right? So you get caught up where you start talking to people about DR plans and this and that, and you assume maybe they know a lot about that. Maybe they don't, right? Or they just have a different definition. Absolutely. It used to be everything was a disaster recovery plan, sort of. And then that morphed into IT disaster recovery right. versus the business continuity side of things. But now you tend to hear a lot more about sort of technical services recovery. And the term disaster is kind of in, in many spheres removed to more um, sort of emergency management terminology. Right, things right. where the Red Cross shows up, right? Right. So it depends on your audience. Yes, do we have you know, sort of a glossary of terms that we as professionals are supposed to use and, and tend to use? Yes, of course we do. But it's not necessarily reasonable for us to force our industry's terminology on the business that we serve. Yes, we can educate and say, okay, this is a business continuity plan. This is a, an IT disaster recovery plan, just to pick, you know, sort of the two common terms. But on the other hand, if you have a company that has always called it pineapple, then <laughs> you can't turn around and call it something else because right, exactly. we're taking such a step backward in awareness. Um, and then people get frustrated. Well, I, you know, I just learned this term and now you're making me learn a different term. So what's kind of your response to, let's say I'm, you're talking to a, a new to the profession, perhaps a, a maybe not even a CBCP, just an AP, ACBP, you know, um, where they've got a little bit of, you know, they've got the book learning down, they've had some training and, and they're kind of on their, you know, early one, one or two years in the field. I know at my experience at that point in my career was I was like very by the book, we have to call it the thing that the professional guidelines say and so on and so forth. And I was a little tone deaf to the audience. What would you say to somebody coming in? Because it is important to be clear, but. You got it. And once again, this was in more detail uh, with the previous podcast, but it's being adaptable. You have to adapt the, the, the stuff that you know to the business or to the time, right? There's a lot of different terms being used. You don't want to introduce a lot of new stuff if you don't have to, but uh, yeah, I spent... You know, it takes a lot of time just to discover what's out there, you know, when you're when you start a new project or a new um, venture with a company. 
just to see what do you have? What do you got? What's been done in the past? And then try to align that to what's good for today, you know, or what you see in the future. So for someone that's coming from, you know, from the book, it's still a good solid, you know, foundation or framework. And you can say, oh, we call it this. We call that a pineapple, you know, at this company or this engagement, whatever. So I think that's kind of a, being adaptable though, that's absolutely you have to do. There's frameworks and you can't hold them to the T unless you have to. For example, you providing services for the government, you're gonna have some very strict frameworks that you have to work with. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's that balancing act. Oh, and sure. it depends very much on the maturity in the company as well. Yeah. If it's their first business continuity plan, you might be able to go in there and say, here's a short list of the terms you need to know. But uh, I think more often than not, you wind up with a culture and uh, a common glossary within the company for certain things. And your comment about being adaptable, I think is, is spot on. Yeah, I've seen changes just over time too, where business continuity departments, if you will, used to be much bigger. <laughs> and uh, the departments used to have that knowledge of the business and all the dependencies, if you will. Mm -hmm. And now I've definitely seen the trend where it's people managing the program, but a lot of those efforts are being pushed back to the departments to take responsibility for those efforts individually. Uh, not saying it's a good or bad thing, just there definitely is a change of focus uh, mm -hmm. on those responsibilities. So training is also, you know, really key. I, I was just working on some stuff where uh, I was running by like, hey, I need you to fill out this BIA and this and that. Here's here here's the stuff. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. What do I do? You know, it's like, oh, well, just click on that. And they're like, I, I, I don't know. Why am I doing this? You know? So there's a lot of pre-training you have to do. And it takes so, time. It does. So what are, what's another assumption that you've encountered that is, can be problematic because people are coming from, you know, somebody's coming from technology or in the business or, or some other example that you can come up with where we've really got to pay attention to, like, what are they really asking for? And how do you find that out? How do you how do you suss that out from someone who doesn't speak the same language as you do in terms of the industry knowledge? Right. Yeah. I try to think of like scenarios, you know, to help people understand. I mean, some some of the ways are like, uh, you know, if you're if you're talking to them or you're actually doing a BIA with them, you know, they assume, oh, okay. Well, if that happens, this is your contact, this person, right? And they're your go-to, they call them when there's an emergency. Okay. So they assume that's taken care of, right? And then I'll throw them the curveball and say, well, what if that person's not available? Oh, well, we don't have anyone else. Okay, well, what's your work? <laughs> so there's a lot of assumptions like, okay, we told you that's the person. Go talk to them, you know. So I think, you know, you have those situations. Um Sometimes you just don't dive deep enough. I think they just assume, oh, we got a plan for that. If we have an outage in the office, we all go work from home. And they leave it at that. You know, we we covered it. We did our job, right? Then I go, well, what if the people at home have the big outage? What if there's a big power outage or ISP goes down or something? Mm -hmm. Then what? 
oh, well, then those people aren't going to be able to work. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> uh, are they hourly? Are they going to get paid? They can't go to work. They, they can't work from home. Like, so, you know, we try to dive into more of that where people just assume, oh, we address that. They just go work at home. <laughs> so I think that just as continuity professionals, we, we think about all these things, but trying to explain the different levels that that could be or the, the scope of the impact could change so much. Um, you know, even internally, I could say, okay, we have a data center in location A and there's an outage and we have plans to fail over to location B, which is 500 miles away. But location B actually has the same problem let's say, even though it's not exactly the same, but they're both have a power outage. You might not think of that. You think 500 miles away, maybe it's a different, maybe they're having a hurricane go through, you know, whatever it is, you can't use your backup site. Now what? So a lot of assumptions are made. We can just, oh, we're just going to fail over to, to location B and everything's fine. So that's a really good point. I would say um, as far as assumptions go, that's where, you know, we can't fall into the trap as, of, as business continuity professionals of making our own assumptions um, right. about what people know and what they don't know. <clears throat> where yeah. the, the questioning aspect, especially if you come in and there's sort of like already been some planning and people are like, oh, we already have a plan for that. You know, we know what we're doing. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of years. We're just trying to mature our program. And you can get pushback, I think, sometimes for people who are like, oh, we already, we, we already know what we're doing. And if you don't ask those probing questions, you might not find out about some of those assumptions until after the incidents occurred. And everybody's like, whoops, which is obviously the last thing that you want as a as a bcp person sure. yeah um you know we, we ran into a scenario remote work right where we had limited people in our office and and people that working from home and that building the fire alarms went off mm -hmm. well our our plan says the floor warden and all these people do floor sweeps and everyone gets out and we account for them at, a, at the designated location but the people that are in the office, no one has any of that training or knowledge. The people who have that knowledge are working from home. Ah, yes. <laughs> so you're assuming the plan is there. We've tested it, but those key people aren't in the office. So what we you might have is an executive that's in the office that day, and they're just like taking charge. Yeah. And all the things that we plan to do that's out the window, right? Because <laughs> they may not be knowledgeable on the stuff we've already planned. We, we're going to go to this location. We're going to do a headcount. We're going to call this number. We're going to notify our operations, whatever, right? You know, um, it all goes out the window. And that's the other assumption, I think, um, is that these plans are going to be used when we have an incident, right? Mm -hmm. We do them, we test them, but when it comes down to it, are they really going to reach... I think you said, are they going to reach for that orange folder? <laughs> are they going to are they going to have access to the plan and are they able to use it while something's actually happening? That's the other <laughs> assumption I think from a BC professional. 
you, you want to make something good, but in reality, are we doing it for compliance? Are we doing it for the customer that ask from the customer that we have these plans in place? What you know, you have to dig a little deeper in the, why we do some of this stuff. Yeah, is the is the plan there because we needed to show that we have one, or are we actually planning on using it for our recovery? Which obviously that's the goal. And there's actually um, sure. a recent podcast that has not aired yet that is about sticking to the script. Yeah, like you wrote these plans for a reason. Now, time of incident, let's actually like take a look at what those are and follow those steps so we don't forget something. And and you know, I. Uh, I'm, I can get up on my soapbox for a minute. My okay. big thing, my big thing is actionable plans. Short, sweet, to the point, actionable, because nobody has time to read through a big, thick plan at time right. of incident. Like, you just don't have that, that leisure. Um, not unless you've got an incident that's unfolding incredibly slowly, but, you know, do you really want to bet on that, right? Yeah. So my big thing is making them actionable. Like, if it doesn't need to be in there, take it out you know people have to be able to follow the plan or they will not stick to the plan and then you've got something that doesn't recover when it should you know you don't have the right resource when you need the right resource or whatever that that missing thing might be once again another assumption everything is covered in the plan we're good just follow the plan mm -hmm. but i can tell you how many times we've had incidents that weren't covered in the plan directly, you know? We might say, oh, earthquake, oh, flood, oh, fire. But, you know, depending on your geographic location, you might not have anything for a hurricane, you know, just as an example. Mm -hmm. And then if you have one, you're like, well, what do we do? We don't know, you know? So once again, yeah, you try well, to make and it that flexible. Be <laughs> that becomes even more important now when we see more severe incidents as well as you know, natural disasters that are occurring in places that typically don't have that particular type of disaster where, yeah, you might have an earthquake plan, but that does not necessarily mean that you know what to do in a hurricane. And it doesn't mean that you should have a plan right. for an earthquake versus all. a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. You know. No way to cover um, every scenario. <laughs> no. And flexible is always better. Um, right. But nonetheless, you know, there are still some specific things that you want to kind of keep in mind. Um, having living in Houston, I can, I can certainly speak to this. Can't tell you, you know, there was a time when generators were in the basement in Houston for big companies, you know, the hospital district, for example, had a series of unfortunate events that were, you know, in some cases kind of tragic where um, we had severe flooding and you had generators literally in the basement. And, um, a lot of companies made changes after some of those events. So there again, assumptions. Ah, it's never going to flood. It won't flood that much. Or we have, um, you know, we've got flood barriers and, and, you know, we feel confident that everything is okay. Those are assumptions and um, they don't necessarily... Uh, apply depending on the situation. Sure. And that, yeah, you just made me think of another, <laughs> maybe not an assumption. Uh, it's kind of an assumption, but if, if you get compliance 
or audits or customers asking for certain mm -hmm. things. They're going to say, what's your SLA, RTO, RPO, MTD, MAO? Like, <laughs> and it's like, we don't use some of those terms. So they assume everyone's using the same terms. Maybe they are, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, we, you know, I've experienced in the past, <laughs> recent past, people, uh, compliance customers, they're like, hey, do you have a call tree for your, for your emergency personnel? My call trees? No, <laughs> we don't have call trees. We've automated all that, you know, with, yeah. with tools. But, you know, like, well, we need a statement on your call tree and how you would notify people. And it's like, okay. So once again, flexibility, but it's kind of like on that, agency or customer that they assume you have certain things and we don't call it that anymore or some do some don't so it's trying to understand really what the quest is about if someone says we just need to see your bc plan first of all no <laughs> there's so much confidential information there they don't get the plan they get a redacted version with right mostly redaction, <laughs> but they just want to say proof that there's a plan, it has a version yeah. and a date, and it was tested on a certain time. That's really what they want. So it's, it's still an attestation to that. Mm -hmm. and maybe you have outside firms that will verify that will have privilege to see some of the content of those documents. Mm -hmm. They can attest to it. Yes, they do it. Here's your SOC 2 type 2 attestation or whatever, right? Um, but still, there's a, there's a lot of acronyms out there, and there's a lot of you know, um, even talking to, you know, doing BIAs and talking internally to people, uh, you know, I say, hey, how long can you be without Google, you know, Google Mail? How long can you be without, oh, well, that doesn't go down, you know, <laughs> right? And of course, okay, there are outages. And then if you go look at Google's website and look at some of their statements around RTO and RPO, there's zero for both of them. Mm -hmm. because they have such highly redundant systems and whatnot. So we assume Google has really good stuff, <laughs> but they have outages, right? <laughs> and your, your employee or client might say, Google never goes down. And then, you know, <laughs> these are assumptions. And, you know, we're in, for, we're in for a big surprise, especially for companies that are really um, using a lot of third-party vendors now and less yeah. internal systems. There's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done and mm -hmm. uh, tested. You know, how can I restore my app data from an hour ago because we lost it? You know, how does that work? Why don't you test it? Make a bogus record, delete it, call up the company, ask them to restore it. You know, maybe mm -hmm. it's an admin feature that the admin can actually do that, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. And, and you know, talking about the, well, Google never goes down. <laughs> There's also assumptions by employees on what they use versus what's actually kind of behind that because Absolutely. you've got, you know, users who see a certain portion of something and they don't know what else is coupled to that on the back end where that data might be coming from because all they see is this user interface that has a name to it and they don't necessarily know. So going to like the business impact analysis process, that's where the sort of probing questions and making sure that you've got IT engaged because I've encountered 
countless times during the BIA process where users would swear up and down that they either needed something that they didn't need or didn't need something that was actually critical. And so there again, you have a series of assumptions built into sort of the business side of this is what people do every day, this is what they know, but the back end of that might actually look really different. And of course that comes out in the BIA process, assuming that you've got the right people involved at the right levels from the technology side and the business side. Yeah, absolutely. But that's really, that's another really common assumption, I think. Right, yeah, we've, same thing. And we, we, we assume the person knows exactly what applications they use, right? And they tell you all the applications they use and you look at the list and go, well, don't you use VPN? Oh yeah, VPN. Oh yeah. <laughs> don't you use XYZ? Oh, well, everyone does, right? But I still need to know that you rely on, you know, so <laughs> same thing. We, we assume, you know, if, if I give you a BIA, go fill this out and I review it and I say, okay, there's some things missing here, you know, so we can assume, oh, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a bad assumption, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think the moral, moral of the story today is simply don't make assumptions and understand that other people do make assumptions and kind of having your ear tuned to what those things might be. And when in doubt, follow up with a question to make sure that either they understand what you're saying or you understand what, what they're saying. And a lot of this is simply common sense. But the fact is, is that we've both encountered these things over and over and over again in different flavors through the course of our careers, which means that the likelihood is, is that some of our audience goes through the same thing. And hopefully we've brought a little bit of enlightenment to this topic today. And um Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today, Eric. It was a pleasure having you as our guest. Thank you. It's been an honor. Love it. Enjoyed it. And for our audience today, you'll find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We roll out a new one every two weeks on Monday. Look for this one coming up soon. And thanks to Kingsbridge BCP for being the sponsor of this podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks.